Welcome to the show. We hope you have a blast. Thanks for making time for the Dealer Talk Podcast. Another business leader, here's a penny for your thoughts. This ain't a regular conversation, baby. This that Dealer Talk. Yeah. What up? Welcome to another episode of the Dealer Talk Podcast. This is your host, Herb Anderson, wearing my um off-brand orange sweatshirt today. That's the kind of mood we're in here. Let's check in with our co-host, Miss Charity M. What's up, Charity? What's up? Happy podcast day. Your hunter orange. I think that that's what that color is called. Oh, okay. Don't worry. Well, Nobody's going to shoot you in the forest. No, nope. I'm soon. Let's kick things off. All right. Um, any special announcements? We've got this Philicart thing going on at the end of November that I'm super excited about. That's right, folks. Philicart event. Mm-hmm. First one ever. Um, I'm, I'm super stoked. We did promos for it the other day and um i was kind of there i don't know i just kind of had like a cool moment i was like man i can't believe this we're actually making this thing happen like it's been something that i've been wanting to do for a really long time and um yeah i'm excited to kick the first one off i am too very excited so although um, we did have that discussion about turkeys remember and i said that if you were going to do it close to thanksgiving you had to do it soon enough that they could defrost a turkey. Apparently, there's a turkey shortage. Um, yeah, I, I I I heard that too. I actually experienced that a couple of weeks ago. I went to I, I like to get. Um, so we have this food called arepas in Venezuela. It's like a bread that you stuff with you know cheese or whatever. And I I like to get my <clears throat> uh, deli meats like at the at the counter. I don't buy those prepackaged stuff. And um, I went to to pick some turkey up and they were like, yeah, we don't have any. And I was like, are you going to get some later in the day or later in the week? And they were like, no, we don't know when we all we have right now is ham. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. I don't eat pork. So just cheese arepa for me. That sounds fabulous to me. Cheese and carbs mixed together well like happening right yeah but then they got my my girlfriend's from paraguay and she made um these fried plantains or bananas and i stuffed them in there with the cheese and the butter and it was like real good so if you're ever eating at a venezuelan place get a, a arepa with cheese and fried bananas inside it's really good <laughs> I approve. All of okay. say yes. that we are excited for those around us to be able to experience really good food as well. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool to put this thing together. And, um, you know, we're doing more than just turkey, right? We're going to fill yeah. people's groceries carts full of food. So that's the I'm excited to be able to do that. And you know, I think we can, I was, you know, doing the calculations that we could do like 10 to 12 families, you know, depending on size and things like that. So it'll be really nice. Excited. That is exciting. Yeah. Anyway, anything else? <clears throat> no. What do you have? That's it. As far as announcements go. So let's just, uh, let's get into it. We're going to have Mr. Peter Duffy on the show. This one is an interesting one because we recorded with him. We did a like, double book session a couple of weeks ago, and now we're doing the intro. So 
if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, you're going to see some you're different see attire. He's not wearing the bright orange. Yeah. Foot. Don't worry, folks. We didn't, we didn't like pause and go change. And then <laughs> <laughs> we don't do outfit changes here at the Dealer Talk podcast. My favorite thing about the Peter Duffy episode was that he had to stop and leave and then come back because his um, connection to what is it, Starlink? Yeah, something like was that. Was bad. That's fun. I don't have cool yep, yep, internet yep. like that. <laughs> it was interesting too because we told him and he was like, okay, hold on. And then all of a sudden it's, it fixed itself. I was like, okay, great. That I mean, that's what I should get here. This, this has been the herb freeze season. I've been like in my mouth. I'm like. This voiceover. Like, yeah, it's um, like the Kung Fu movies. You see the my Kung mouth. Fu movies or the King Kong? What's the one yeah. with the dinosaur in Japan? Godzilla. 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 Yeah. So it's all right, folks. We move forward here. We figure it out and we improve and we move forward. So mm -hmm. we'll do better ones. Grow and learn. That's maybe, what we do. Maybe we'll get a better co-host. Yeah, I'm looking for a new co-host, anyone? <laughs> oh, that's very good. Luis. <laughs> oh, that one too. <laughs> good stuff. All right. Let's let's get into it. Automotive it's time for movie. some Dude, you, you can't like you're stealing my my mojo here. <laughs> All right. It's time for some automotive news. <laughs> all right okay automotive you, news you want to go first Take us off no no ladies first mm -hmm. i'm a gentleman um so remember the episode we were was it the mike bogle episode where we were talking about the airbag recalls and you were like it's like yeah. bullets aimed at your face Remember? i know it's it's crazy i mean look at the takata thing those are bullets essentially is what it is that are that are projected at your face and what are they at like 60 percent or something yeah. like that like and and that's people. been around for almost what about 10 years now dude yeah dude you're gonna die man go get this fixed and you cannot get these people in the time yeah and people are like i'll just worry about it i'll do it later um, Takata airbag deaths prompt Stellantis to warn owners to park 275,000 vehicles. So apparently there's been a couple more deaths to the point where Stellantis is like, for the love of everything, holy stop driving your cars. Um, two additional deaths linked to exploding. That's a big one. I was going to say that's a big one for me because I... I was working for one of the Toyota distributors um, at one of the peaks of these of these uh, recalls of this recall in particular, and I used to um, you know go visit with service uh, service managers and um, you know we've we've had these um, uh, programs right that they could subscribe to to get this information out to people with like omni-channel solutions with mail and phone calls and all this other stuff. And it's just crazy the amount of people that would pass on 
getting this stuff fixed or they, they, they wouldn't show up. It's like, dude, it's free. It's crazy. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you that I used to have a car that needed the airbag and I remember years ago asking my service writer, not at my current store, I can't remember where it was. And they were like, ah, that's not something you really have to worry about because you live in the desert. So yeah. So I'm yeah. saying like, it's not just there. Is that Jerry? No. No way. <laughs> not Jerry, not at my okay. current store. Jerry wouldn't do that. Jerry goes, Charity, stop panicking. <laughs> No, he, and this one, he'd be like, panic, panic. <laughs> Some of those mailers, no, you said that. Some of those mailers had like a baby in a crib, <laughs> like by itself and stuff. And it said like, you know, you, like basically I'm paraphrasing, but it said like, don't leave your family without you sort of a deal because you could die from this. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, <laughs> talk about, <Yeah. laughs> you might as well put a, I think it'd be more effective if you put a guy like on the steering wheel like this with like bullets coming to his face. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we laugh, but it's, it's, but it's, it's not a laughing it's matter. Old people are dying. It says that they have, um, the Stellantis, the company has generated nearly 210 standard and first class letters, courier deliveries, emails, text messages, and the and phone calls and home visits to get people to bring their damn cars into the damn store. Oh yeah, that's right. I've heard of um, um, on uh, offsite programs or they'll go either pick up your car or they'll go to your house to do the 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 to get the job done. And, so people, and guess what? People still don't sign up to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not good, folks. But I mean, they'll do all kinds of things that they know are going to kill them. So true that. Speaking of speaking of death, <laughs> that's a terrible thing. Well, well. <laughs> See, let's talk about the Tesla manslaughter case. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> no, I feel bad one. that was my segue. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to talk about this. Well, um, set, set it up so for those who don't know. For those who don't know, there was a guy, he was driving a car, a Tesla, comes off the freeway in California. He had the autopilot on and he's coming off the freeway and he blows through a stoplight and kills two people in a Honda Civic. The article that I read pointed out in one of those, Herb always says that I have the weirdest little bits of knowledge. They were on their first date, the couple, um, and they died. And wow, yeah, so the manslaughter case is in Los Angeles right now. And it's pretty big because it can set precedent. Go for it. So, okay, a couple of questions, and I don't know if, if they say that in the article. Was it autopilot or FSD? Operating on autopilot. Okay, so autopilot, unlike uh, full self-driving, is basically you, you're you in the car, but you the car is pretty much driving, you know, driving itself on a straight line, but it doesn't do anything. You can't switch. It doesn't switch lanes. 
It doesn't auto stop or anything like that. Unless, unless there's a car in front of you, then it'll come to a stop, but it doesn't stop at the lights or anything like that. So, um, and this is not I, against Tesla. This is against the guy that was driving the car. Tesla is right. Not and my, that's my, that would be my question, right? Is how, how can this be this guy's fault? If he, if uh, I, the only thing, okay, I digress. The only way that this is manslaughter is if this guy's on his phone or not, or sleeping or, you know what I mean? Because other than that, how does that, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. How well, can he not have hit break at the light? You know what I'm saying? Like he must have been distracted. He must have been doing something else and not paying attention to the road. And I don't know. I'm speculating. I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, speak without, without knowledge, but I, there's, there's just no way. I, I don't, do they mention that in the article? It does say, um, the adjunct professor at Georgetown University Law School, um, who specializes in laws governing self-driving cars, just an interesting niche to specialize in, says, who's at fault, man or machine? The state will have a hard time proving the guilt of the human driver because some parts of the task are being handled by Tesla. Right, but the only way that, that Tesla falls into that is if if it was self-driving right but it also in my says, opinion another attorney says um the attorney representing the families in the lawsuit um said i can't say that the driver was not at fault but the tesla system autopilot and the tesla spokespeople encourage drivers to be less attentive and that's the that's the crux right there whether or not he was being less attentive, was he being less attentive because he was encouraged to be so by the company that sold him the car? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's definitely an interesting case because of where we're going as far as transport, where transportation is headed. Um, so it'll be interesting for those reasons and precedents like you mentioned earlier. But the other thing that comes to mind, and this is the more... I don't know, sinister or cynical side of me, if you will. But are they doing this just so that they can go go and go into a civil case against Tesla? Oh, I am sure you know that I mean? that is a motivator. Absolutely. Does that make the, the people wrong? No, absolutely. It doesn't make them wrong. But yeah, of course, if it was like, hey, my 1998 whatever i don't even know a 1998 car well but hold on before you leave that thought because it, it's not <clears throat> excuse me okay so if the driver would have killed this it would have had the same accident in an ice vehicle well it's you know not I mean? the ice vehicle and that's not the electric vehicle it's the autopilot well, okay that's mm -hmm. a good point and that's the but, thing it says in here where does it say it that this will the precedent that they are looking to set is whether the technology is going has advanced it could be a test case for whether the technology has advanced faster than legal standards which is kind of a scary thing 
for them to be doing a test case on. Because let's say, hypothetically, that they find that technology is advancing faster than the law can keep up with, then they can arguably say that they can that open that's always the case charity that's all it, it opens an entire argument for whether or not you should be able to advance faster than the law that's that's always the case so i don't see that they always advance faster than the law but this is that that sentence implies that if it's a test case about technology advancing faster than law then the flip side of that is that technology shouldn't be allowed to advance faster than law yeah and but how do you do that well, you don't you don't you 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 install growth and progress uh, yeah absolutely progress. but it, that's why but it's kind i don't want to lose my thought that i had earlier so if this if this person was on autopilot regardless doesn't matter right if if the only way that this happened is if this guy's distracted and if he's distracted, it's on him. It's not on the company or the manufacturer of the vehicle. So this I don't see the ridiculously fun to me right now. That's not the, the counter argument to that is that he was encouraged by a multi-million dollar billion dollar company to be less attentive. So is he at fault for doing what he was encouraged to do? And then they cite um, that Tesla or Elon Musk had said um, that in September, Elon Musk said that he believed Tesla had a moral obligation to roll out what he calls full self-driving software, even if it was not perfect and Tesla were sued because of doing so could potentially save future lives. Right, but... So Again, Tesla saying, saying, like, like the argument is that Tesla is saying, we know that this is risky and we're going to roll it out anyway. And we know that we're probably going to get sued. So great. But you're going away from my point that I'm trying to develop here. Okay. If this person was in an ice car on his phone, not inside an EV that quote unquote, like you said, um, promotes or encourages people to be and i don't like to say that because I, I i drive an ev and i'm not encouraged to be distracted never you know so that's to me that's that's bs but you know let's just say this guy's in a nice car on his phone then what's the argument he's just a distracted driver there's no there's no you know okay that's the counter it's, argument. it's so pretty two, cut and dry so your two arguments are he was a distracted driver by because he was encouraged by the company to be a distracted driver. So who is at fault? Him for being a distracted driver? That's a hard thing. But that's the thing. That's Hang the on, thing. Let that... me finish. Him, him for being distracted or the company for encouraging it. And then the other argument is the law is the law. You were a distracted driver and you broke the law. Period. End of story. Right, but my my my, my gripe with this, with the way that this is being set up, is that they're bringing Tesla into it, mm -hmm. and it's that's not that doesn't make any sense unless the guy was like on the, uh, lost my my voice there. Unless the guy was like on the monitor, like doing stuff, and then you know. But if this guy's on his phone or on a phone call or doing all the other things that you can do on an on a on a ice vehicle or a vehicle that doesn't have all these 
these distractions, then, you know, it, if it's reckless driving, it's reckless driving on, and that's the driver's responsibility. Nobody else's. Okay. Yes. But then that calls into question the other one argument, which is, is technology advancing faster than the law? And if it is, should that be stopped? Because the answer to that question is obviously yes. people are dying. Yes, it all, but it always is advancing faster than the law. Always. Right. And every single industry and in every single realm not this isn't just relegated to the to the automotive space like it's happening like that always and it always will otherwise it's going to um slow down growth like if if there's a law that says you have to create law before you develop technology then it's over and i think that that's all of those points right there are why this case is being watched. Who's at fault, the company or the person? And if the company is at fault, why? And what It'll be an interesting case. I want to, yeah, and want to watch and see how how that's going to how that turns out. But, but the it's, lawyer. Um. um so my. Ex-husband is a lawyer, and when he was in law school, he said one of the one of his professors one time said that sometimes you find cases, and when the person is talking to you, all you can hear in your head is cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh -huh. this, is, this is one of them. I'm sure that That's the lawyer funny. who got this case was like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if he's doing it pro bono, but if, if he's, he's getting paid... It. But anyway, let's move on. So here is our um, weekly market data brought to you by Lotlinks. Okay, so new inventory sales on a plus 11.8% the last week. Uh, used inventory sales uh, plus 5.4%. Shopper value changed plus 9.7%. Shopper engagement changed um uh, negative 3.4% inventory count 79.3%. So basically what this says, we had more new cars in, in the month of October than we have, um, in the, in the past, the, the, the in the past, say in the last year, same time period. Also, we had an increase in used car sales, which, you know, I would argue a lot of that has to do, uh, with, with what happened on the on the new car side and then we still have shopper engagement or shopper volume but the engagement is going down so what does that mean for you less leads less website visits um but what's really interesting to me is that this is only talking about the number of units sold but it's not talking about the kick in the you know what that a lot of dealers are seeing right now. Yeah, they're selling the volume, but at a loss, right? So you're, I'd be shocked if a lot of dealers uh, last month didn't see perhaps an increase in volume compared to last year, but it was probably the first or, or you know, one of the first um, months where they started to see decreases in, in front end gross. So what does that mean? Well, it means two things. There's still demand, right? There's still shopper volume out there. 
but you, we have inventory inventory pricing going down. So the inventory that you have or that you've been holding on to, I don't know, 30, 60 days is starting to lose its value. So there's a lot of dealers out there that are trying to get greedy and say like, no, I'm going to hold my price and wait so that I can get that to, you know, mm -hmm. so I can make my $2,000 per copy or whatever. And folks, I'm telling you, that's a mistake. Get rid of that inventory right now that you have that's sitting there. Whatever you need to do, move it, make it go away. Be two things are going to happen. One, obviously it, it helps you with um, back-end money and uh, building loyalty and bringing customers through the service drive and your your recondition and your, your used car operation is going to benefit from that, which ultimately makes the whole operation benefit. But number two is, like I said, prices are coming down, right? So it, you can buy now in the market at more realistic prices, which still may be a little inflated, but it's still better than they were this same time period last year. So, well, and... <clears throat> we all knew that this was going to happen at some point. We've been having this conversation for a while. Yeah, buy right now. And then is the market going to come back down? Probably. And then you're going to have to offload really fast. We all knew that this was coming. It's time. Yes, but here's my thing. And what I've been talking about from a consumer standpoint, it's been over two years. So our behavior has changed. There's a lot of UCMs out there that are thinking like, no, this is the new deal. We're going to make this much money forever. And that's not the case. It's time to get back to reality. Here's the other thing on the marketing side. If you're not adjusting your prices and there's dealerships in your market that are, that are velocity customer or velocity philosophy type dealers, they're, they are moving their prices down aggressively. And that means that you're, you're going to be a lot more expensive in the market. So yes, you may have inventory, but if like that episode we did with JT, what's, what's, what's marketing? It's the cost of, um, an overpriced and underwhelming product, mm -hmm. right? So, and you're, you're going to be driving all this activity as far as views and stuff on your website, but you're, you're it's not going to convert to sales on the other end. And so now you're going to think about, now you have to think about, is it my, my internal processes? What's going on? Why are we getting all this activity and we're not moving cars? So, um, I, and just surprised. Oh yeah. And yeah. And you got to watch your sales floor. They're all in the habit of saying, if your sales floor is anything like mine, oh, we can pre-purchase something. Yeah, sure. We can definitely look at a new car coming in. You got to watch them and make sure that they're not saying that and that they're moving the damn cars on the freaking lot. That's all I have to say about uh, No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no question. Um, yes, I, I think that we, I think that we're still, we're in the, on the high cloud and we're not mm -hmm. looking at reality and um, it's not going to get any easier. I was reading this uh, Cox Automotive study the other day and I think I mentioned this where I referenced this in our last episode, but for the past 10 weeks, wholesale values have come down 1% a week. That means that that car that you had 10 weeks ago, if you still have it today in your lot, is worth 10% less. And they're predicting that that's going to continue to go down because look, it's very simple. You're high here, right? This is the height of the market. This is the low side of the market. 
or the average or whatever you want to call it. If you Everybody were to draw a line right there, there, Luis, draw a line there if you can between my hands, right? So you're up here at this point or at this point, and eventually, can you make it so that it traces, right? Something like this. So eventually, it's going to get to the to the normal price, right? So what are you doing? You're just, you know, I'm seeing a lot of dealers at their average price. The average price that they're selling their vehicles right now is in the 95 to 97%. But they start at like 110%. Mm -hmm. And it takes them like 30 to 60 days to get down. And if it, it, that's not going to work, man, like that, that you're going to end up with a bunch of cars or you're going to have to wholesale at a loss. Just, you know, I can't stress enough. Look at your pricing right now. Get your pricing in line. We had great times. Let's adjust. Let's move the inventory and then go back into the market and acquire some new inventory that has more realistic values. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Anything Let's else? see. What else we got? Here's one that uh, I wanted to mention. Toyota rebounds again. Ford, Ford Honda slide. Hyundai Kia advanced third straight month. Uh, some October sales heights uh, uh, saw rose to 14.9 million units. Toyota ended the month with just a 20-day supply. EV sales rose 101% mm. at Kia, 50% of uh, at Ford. Uh, or I'm sorry, 50% of Ford retail sales came from pre-orders, and Subaru was its biggest uh, uh, saw its biggest sale gains since the spring of 2021. So a um, couple of interesting things here. Uh, obviously, Toyota's they're navigating the situation really, really well. And we saw an article about Toyota's uh, pricing, didn't we? We, we were going to mention on, on this. Yeah. So let me find it. There's a lot of dead air in our in automotive news today. Well, uh, Luis, clean it up. Put uh put like some some music in between. Oh, put the Jeopardy music in between. Can you put the Jeopardy music in? Oh uh, yeah, probably not. Anyway. You it's in your I texted it to you. No, no, I know, but did you you to yeah, no, I had to find it. Toyota is planning price hikes, still deciding how high to go. I feel like that's like the Fed is planning. Interest rate hikes still decide another where they want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Toyota is looking to increase pricing at a limited by customer at a rate limited by customer expectations. Um, the expected increases are coming after the company experienced regional operating losses in its fiscal year, um, and then they said that they are going to um they're dropping off a lot of their what are they the cost of entry is higher so they like dropped off the the l out of the corolla lineup which is the bottom one so you have to buy higher and then they're going to increase smaller amounts but more often so they're slow right. boiling the shit out of the consumer right now and then this was my <laughs> favorite line Death taxes and rising car prices, three unending guarantees. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's good. I was explaining so to anyway, my mom so that we had a capstone 
on our showroom floor that with all of the things, it was like an, we had to ship it across the country. So by the time we were done, the customer had paid like $100,000 for that. My mom, I thought she was going to have a heart attack. My first <laughs> condo that I ever bought was $79,000. Back in my day. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look back and you're like, why the hell did I sell that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So, so, so that one—that's a good recap here for this. What, what, what we just read here on the uh, that you know, I just love their strategy. I think that they're looking at things from, uh, from all these different angles, including the EV side of things that we've talked about a couple times. Kia's uh, number here at uh, EV sales rose 101. percent To me, that's a that's a good one because it talks about the competitive natures of EVs. And then mm -hmm. there's going to be, obviously, with all these other manufacturers, it's just um, capitalism as, at its best, right? There's going to be more options, which is going to be driving the, the, the car of these, pr the, the price of these cars down. And it makes it more realistic for it to become, um, you know, to hit some of these, these benchmarks that we have for, for, for these vehicles and for the shift, right? Uh, for, uh, for this transportation mode shift uh and um uh, let's see there's another one here there's two more that i want to talk about okay here general motors delays north america ev production goal by six months so what did i say what did i say what did i say you know, like, yes, it's easy for you to talk about or it's easy for these manufacturers to say we are going to do this or we're going to move to this by this date and time. It's another thing entirely to execute and actually get it done. I mean, I'm not I'm not knocking GM. I, lo I love their efforts. I, we, we covered an article here a couple episodes ago where they invested, I think it was 60 million dollars into mm -hmm. a facility in Michigan to, you know, to for EV production or something like that. Um, and there's no question that these efforts are being made, but it's a mon monumental undertaking to, um, you know, to, to just kind of change like the something out of nothing. No, it's just to, sh to, to shift the infrastructure yeah. that we have with gas stations and, and, and all that stuff to charging stations. Um, you know, like, uh, I've been, I, so I've had, just to give you give some context and an example, I've had these specific charging stations in my route that have made my commute super simple. Um, and then the other day I went to charge my car where I always do. And the, the charging station was gone. Not where? there anymore. Which one? Yeah. By the convention center there across. It's the not there anymore? No. No, no information, no, nothing. It's just completely gone. And I was like, dude, what the? So, um, you know, making these things, creating this infrastructure is, is a pretty big deal, man. And these time. Did um, they just move it? I have no idea. Um, and these, these, these uh, time, uh, these deadlines, excuse me. I don't know, man. It just seems, some of these seem a little unrealistic um here's here's another one a drop in used car prices burn u.s auto dealers but it's but it's good sign for feds 
again, we were just talking about this. Like, if you're holding price, man, like you have, that's a mistake. Get rid of the inventory, go back into the market, buy a current pricing, and just watch as things come back down to, to normal. So make sure you have enough inventory to, you know, because what else, what are you going to, if you're relying on trades, man, forget it, right? So you have to be buying, but you can't buy and pump vehicles into your, into your flow when you have these cars that, you know, you're, you're, you, you're trying to hold so that you don't take these hits, which no. you're going to take anyway. That you a couple of episodes ago we had talked about how i had started hearing um about dealerships that weren't taking they won't sell you a new car without a so trade if you're not in the local market or something like one that. of the one of our competitors i just caught a customer called me and said i'm not going to buy from them because they won't take they won't sell me a car he had a vehicle that he had put on order and then when the vehicle came in, they told him he couldn't have it because he didn't have a trade. Right on. Wow, that's crazy. Anyway, that's my that's my <laughs> review brought to you by Lot Links. Anyway, Charity, any anything else for automotive news from you? No. That's it. All right. We still have two more of these to do. Blog post of the week. <laughs> All right. What is our blog post of the week? We are actually resurrecting a blog post for this section because I think it's it Relevant. falls in line with our guest to a certain degree. And it's all about um, does your website convey the experience that you want it to convey? Mm -hmm. what, I, what, we, what we're talking about there basically is if you look at your digital experience, which is which is achieved through your website, is that the same as the in-store experience that our customers are going to have? And a lot of that has to do with different things. Um, but what, what, I, what I really wanted to focus on, because we're going to be talking to Peter Duff, Duffy from Dealer Image, excuse me, is photos and that representation that you have, that first view that customers are going to have when they're looking at cars on your lot. So for example, um, we often forget, man, that we're selling a product, you know, with all the, all the talk about experience and, and, and digital this and digital that. And um, at the end of the day, man, we're selling a product, a commodity, a, 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 a something that customers are going to look at and be attracted to. And I cannot believe in 2022 how um, bad of a representation we still do to to show that to to our audience. Like, I don't know, Charity, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, my first thought, especially when it comes to the imaging, is you've, we've all seen it, where you go onto a website and somebody has taken in a vehicle and done some quick video or bleh, quick images before they send it off to get it cleaned up. And you're, it's just the dirtiest damn car you've ever seen. And if your digital experience is supposed to reflect or allow your customer to feel as if they are having an in-person experience, is that the in-person experience they're going to have? They're going to walk in and they're going to see fries in the back of the car that's sitting on the front line? No, that's not. So it should not be the experience that they have. If your car isn't ready to show, you don't put it on don't the front Don't show line. it. Yeah. That's my 
it's such an unpopular opinion. Whenever I talk to dealers about this, like I have a lot of groups now that are like, no, I want all my cars in the inventory. And I'm like, dude, you don't have the car to sell. I don't care. I want all the car because I want the activity. Okay. And then I show up to find the car and it's like, oh yeah, we don't have it. Mm-hmm. And the customer's like, what the hell? And then the you know customer I mean? who is already suspicious of us accuses us, accuses us of bait and switch. And then you are one, you're setting yourself, your sales guy up to get, to have a really bad experience at work. And that's not going to make him capable of selling cars. Let's say it's the first person he meets at 9 a.m. on a Friday morning and he gets screamed at because we are quote unquote bait and switching him because the car wasn't ready. That sales guy's off to he's got a I I don't even know a phrase to put in there he's had a bad day his day is going to be worse I tell my team all the time set yourself up for a win at the very beginning of the day and your whole damn day will be better so set everybody up for a win guys yeah for sure I I I, like I said this is I I get such pushback on this like real like oh dude you're crazy like that's that makes no sense but if your recon process or, or if you're, if your days to lot is three to five days, which is kind of where you should be at, why would you compromise by putting shitty pictures of a car outside of your shop with shadows in it? Well, but I, you know, you, you know, I get the whole, like, well, you used to, you, you always preach to, to get the vehicle, the pictures on the car right away. Yeah. Good pictures, dude. Good pictures, not shitty pictures. Like, oh, you're let me go and share. And share. A, you're not going onto a dating app with shitty pictures. <laughs> so like, dude, if it takes you three or three to five days, maybe in this in this market, that's a little bit more. Let's say ten to twelve days or whatever. Okay, take that risk, man. Take you. Know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, take. Um, Work on your recon process. Make sure that that stuff is better. Work on getting your vehicles front line faster. Pre-order parts. Pre-order filters. The 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 common stuff so that your vehicles are not sitting there and waiting for these for these for these parts that have been hard to find during the, during these times. You know, streamline your processes, but don't don't just go and put pictures up there, bad pictures, just to have pictures on the thing. Like it's like we overtrained some of these dealers on, on putting nice pic or putting pictures on their vehicles from day one. It's like, yeah, it, it, it helps to show the actual car, but you still have to think about it from a marketing standpoint. Like, dude, they want to see a car that they want to buy. Nobody wants to see a dirty car. And if you are going to do that because you're, you have FOMO, because that's what this industry, the industry has a lot about a lot of, excuse me, is this fear of missing out. So if you have FOMO because of your pictures, then don't take pictures of the inside of the car. Just take five photos from the outside. Do mm-hmm. it in a controlled environment or space so that there's no shadows and you know what I mean? Nothing that looks like crap. And then put those photos up there. But don't just, you know, why do, Why are you sett- settling for mediocrity just to have photos on there? But you put shitty photos of your car. Like, I don't get it. And that's why that's why I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation or I really enjoyed the conversation with Peter because we already had it. But um because he offers he offer he offers a process he gives you the opportunity to train your staff on on certain things angles and things of that nature and then he 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 can put these 
images on the background of your of your photos that really accentuates and highlights the vehicle, which is what we should be thinking about from the from a marketing standpoint. It's like, yeah, let's go to market with a shitty car or with the, sh the, the shitty images of this car. No, man, let's wait until the car is ready or let's have a process to take some good photos, partner up with somebody like like Peter or do it in your internally, but do it well and take the best possible photo that you can to, to take that vehicle out into the market. Amen. Anyway, that's my that's my preach. Now more than ever, businesses need more efficient sales. That's why thousands of dealerships trust Forize to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the CRM. To try Forize for free, visit forize.io/dealertalk. That's forize.io/dealertalk. So, without further ado, let's go into the episode that we previously previously recorded with Mr. Peter Duffy. I hope you enjoy and um, let's take it away. Hey man, super excited to have you on the show, dude. So um, we kick things off here with an intro. So tell us about you. Uh, my name is Peter Duffy. I'm the CEO of uh, Dealer Image Pro. Um, we are a you know, in-house photo, video, and 360 company for auto dealers in the auto space, uh, among some other things that we work on too, but that's generally our, the guts of our operation. Um, we're based out of Sacramento, California, although we are pretty remote now. Everyone's kind of working in their own space too. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Right on, man. Cool. So d did you, um, have you, have you worked at a dealership before or? Um, well, like, I thought you'd never ask. This is like the third, yeah, this is like the third podcast this week where I have to go through this. And I love talking about myself, Charity. So let me, let me, <laughs> so, uh, basically I started out as a poor photographer looking for a job to kind of, you know, pay the bills and stuff. And, um, I found this one opportunity with a dealership in Oxnard, California, where they had built a studio and didn't really know how to, you know, take pictures of cars. And this is like, wait a second. I have to interrupt, man. Oxnard, yeah. California. Do you know my, my homie, um, selling cars like candy bars? He's from uh, yeah, California. I've seen that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we chat a little bit on LinkedIn and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't know him personally, but obviously through the friendly banter we have at, um, at, uh, LinkedIn, of course. So right on. anyway, I, I go over to this dealership and they go, Hey, you know, we don't know what we're doing here, but we built this studio. And I knew right away from photography perspective that they just didn't have enough light. And so a car is huge. Right. And so they have this big studio, but not enough light. It's very dark in there. And, um, and so I went in there, shot a couple cars. They liked it. It was all good. And we, or I got that a job for like a whopping $5 a car. It was so uh, I started in the auto industry in 2009 as a starving photographer, basically. There was a dealer in Oxnard, California that built a studio and didn't really know how to 
uh, light cars, basically. So I went home and got all the lights I had in my garage as a photographer, came back. I'm talking like my desk lamp, you know what I mean? And I just brought <laughs> everything back. And I shot two cars for them and they liked what they saw, obviously. And at the time, um, they hired me to do each car for like a whopping $75. So it was like, that's unheard of, right? And I, I never even got that price later on. It was really just like the beginning of something new. Because at the time, 2009, it was still... How you didn't just how many cars did you do for 75 bucks a pop, man? Dude, like 60 or 80. And what? yeah, so for me, that was like, you know, whatever it's up to 3,500 bucks or something. But it was like, whoa, I'm getting paid money, right? So at the same time, I'm also a licensed mortician. So I was still working in a mortuary. And so I'm like embalming bodies at night and then I'm coming over and shooting cars during the day. I see charity. Man, that is such a that, dynamic career. Yeah. I have a, a, a degree in mortuary science. So, so, and I had been a mortician for like 14 years. So anyway, um, I get into this and then they give me another one and another one. And I see the writing on the wall and we build basically dealer image pro until 2016. I think we had, 23 photographers and 40 dealerships and it was like a whole thing but it was still very uh landscape kind of business right like i do work for you you give me a little money there was no real like the value was there because i came and did my job but it wasn't anything that was scalable um at least in that sense at the time so around 2016 we do um we kind of moving into some new offices and stuff and probably smoking a little weed or something like that. And one of somebody goes, <laughs> hey, you know, we really, you really got to get the dealer to do their own pictures and then you can edit them or something. And then it was like a light bulb. Right. And, uh, I, I came up with the wireframe guideline, you know, uh, ap application that we have now, uh, called photo assistant. And so fast forward today and we have, I don't know, hundreds of dealers in like four or five countries that use photo assistant, um, daily. So, so, so tell me more uh, about that because yeah. I'm I'm super super interested. So, um, the 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 way that it traditionally has worked for for you know this is the way you know for the stores that I consult with is they have a company like Car Keys or somebody like that that comes sure. out. They have their team. I like Car Keys is pretty cool. They're I think they're local here to Vegas. So you know, um, it's not a plug. It's just that they're the most no, I've heard of them. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, they're the closest to me. But they're, they're kind of cool because they put these printers and stuff in these cooling mechanisms in their cars. You yeah, know what I, I mean? So that, that's like... Yeah, that's yeah. overheat over there. Right. It's so hot, right? So, but, th but that's what it is, right? You go out, they get, you know, they have two photographers per store. That one, you know, brings the car out. The other one shoots it. They do a video and then the next. And then that's how it's... Two photographers per car. That's yeah. the first time I heard that, but yeah. So, so um, usually that's called in our space is called the visiting vendor, right? So if you have Herb's Toyota and you sell 200 cars a month and you have a visiting vendor that comes around three days per week or whatever it is, and they shoot your cars and put them online, it's great. And it's a great situation for you because you don't have an employee or whatever reasons you have um, for doing that, as opposed to something like us. And we used to be that guy, by the way. We used to be the visiting vendor, right? So photo assistant in the app itself is not just the novelty of like being able to photograph cars in a consistent manner using wireframe guidelines, but it's all the stuff we learned up until 
that point that would put a tool in the hands of someone like car keys even that goes, oh, this makes things way easier. I'm just photographing, getting video clips, doing a 360. I have a in live inventory list, all the stuff on board on a 12 megapixel iPad Pro. I push send and everything goes off to get edited and quality controlled and all the stuff that Dealer Image Pro does. Today. So, so, so I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I'm for my own no, brain. Okay. Um, the way it works is somebody at the dealership goes and takes a picture, not the best picture in the world. They just picture the car and they send it to you and you guys make it look dope. No, okay. Good. <laughs> they, they have a very strict set Way. of guidelines and a very strict set of training. And in fact, if you do send the <laughs> picture, we're going to send it right send back it to back. you. Not what you hired us. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I was going to say, dude, because. We gave you or listen to the yeah. quality control texts and emails <laughs> that you're getting. And oh, by the way, we're going to tell your general manager because you're not paying attention. So there's like, <laughs> we cannot get away with that in this day and age. No. <laughs> Peter, I don't get told no very often at my show, man. Like that was like, <laughs> I'm just like letting you know. no. <laughs> so, that, that, that was awesome. Said, if you take a series of pictures, even myself, who's done thousands of cars, I still take crooked pictures every now and then because I'm not perfect. Sure. Right? Like nobody is. So them going through the editing process is doing two things. One, it's like straighten, color correction, quality control, but that quality control is like, are there paper floor mats or the steering wheels crooked? Are they bad compositions? Does this, did someone get a hold of this iPad and take bad pictures because we want to notify someone because that's not what we were hired to do. So there's a huge watchdog thing happening over the top of photo assistant. And that's really what people are paying for. I so, have this so like whole thought process of all of the conversations that I've ever had in it at work that are like, for the love of everything, holy, turn your phone. <laughs> the, 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 dude, this is, this is, this is, this, I, I wasn't expecting this. Um, <laughs> I have so many questions. Tell uh, me everything. Ask me anything. Okay. So first of all, wouldn't it be super dope if you could take shitty pictures and send them to you guys and you guys can make them look super awesome? It's just For like polishing a turd, buddy. If you have bad pictures, <laughs> you're going to get bad pictures. Like, I'm good, but I'm not God. You know what I mean? Like, we can't make things, you know. So, <laughs> like, bad compositions okay. are bad compositions. And realistically, the real reason for this is total dealer customer experience, right? So sure. going back to the same uh, example for Herb's Toyota, if you did have someone just taking bad pictures let's call them more snapshots um are you informing the customer in a way that makes them in the comfort of their own home drinking wine at nine o'clock at night shopping for a toyota camry are you giving them the information that they need to make a buying decision based on price and mileage or are you making them salivate enough to want to come in and see that car based on your crappy pictures and generally speaking the answer is yes but not really so, mm -hmm. so in the, it, what we are really focused on is taking Herb's Toyota in the same example, bringing that in-house to increase your time to market from three days, which is what your visiting vendor is doing, to seven days, which is a half of a year, right? Like if you could bring your cars to market in the window of your store seven days a week instead of three, your buck's up immediately. And then if you could do it immediately in a way that is focused and a solid set of pictures that is consistent across your entire inventory 
now you're also giving your customers what they need to make a buy decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I, and I, I like the, the Herbs Toyota, by the way. That's, uh, let's manifest that. I like it. Sounds good. Herbs BMW might be that. Yeah, there, yeah. there you go. Um, so, okay, so quality control, I get that, makes sense. Let's talk about the future of, of, of photos for a second. Okay. Um, I, I have this ongoing conversation currently with a, the, somebody that, uh, that oversees a, a major group that's kind of resistant to to going in that direction. Um, do you Two think that th three, no, like 360 and video walk arounds and those sorts of things? Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that eventually everybody's going to have to play in that sandbox? Um, What's your what's your take on that technology per se? So let's talk about the fundamental thing first. Number one, if there is no pictures of a car, just the pictures on right. a car, on an SRP, on a VDP, I mean, the percentage of people that click on it is very small. Like we're talking sure. about. And those studies yeah. have been done by Cox Automotive, not by me, so I'm not the only one saying it. It's a fact, right? So then let's say that 360s, video is video, right? Like we've all lost a Sunday on YouTube, like video is fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but 360s are, you know, like fun to use and keep the customer interaction going on on a VDP, no doubt about it. But 100%, without a doubt, you can take this to the bank. Photos bring a car to market. Sure. Hands down. So shortening the time that you take a car in on trade to the point where it has even 10 photos online where someone's going to click on it is your time to market. So getting a full set of pictures on there that cover the entire vehicle are the most important thing any dealer can do to bring any kind of marketing to their dealership and represent their brand. Like that's no literally, if you're on cars.com and you're looking up Camrys in a 20 mile radius. It, your eye stops at the best Camry that there is usually. Then you look over at price and mileage. And if it matches your clicking, I still don't know where your dealership is. But that photo is representing the brand of Herb's Toyota. So let me go there. Then I'm going to your website. Now I have everything. So 360s are fun. And they definitely increase time on site. Videos are great, especially when they're done well. Picture slideshows are bullshit. You know it and I know it. Mm -hmm. But good video is great. But photos take a car to market. So there's there's not going to be any debating that until all the cars in the world have a moving picture on cars.com. Like right. But so so that that so that that's why I wanted to start there because um, I agree. I mean, obviously, we're at the end of the day, we talk about the experience and all this other crap, but. Um, we're still selling up. We let's not forget we're selling a product, right? Yeah, sure. uh, so, and that's the first thing that's going to get the customer. It's going to be price and what that car looks like. You want to Bob? You sound just like me right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but is that is the photo technology advancing? Are we in a place of? Are we in a tipping point where we're transitioning from just images to engagement, walk around, three sixty? Is that the next thing that every dealer should have set their eyes on or let's fix, let's get the, the photo game tight and then let's worry about that later? I think, I think photo game is first for any dealership that doesn't have good photos, right? That's just like, if we can get you there, 
then we can add video very easily. Like our video clips are in between our photo uh, guidelines and it keeps it nice and easy for the person and they don't even have to be a photographer to use our, our product, use Photo Assistant. But then you add on 360 after that or it just all goes into the same training which we've done. All three of those things are great. Not every dealer does them. I've had plenty of dealers that come to me because we give away 360. We don't care. That's how much we are devoted to photos. We're like, yeah, sure. If you want 360, we'll just give it to you. So that's like just something that it's more of an add-on. Um, but mm -hmm. we've had dealers just say, no, we've tried that. We don't really like that. And, and okay. that's like, so okay. going to the future, just to add to that, the future, future, like let's talk about just like brainstorming. It would be sick to scan a car with an iPad or using the AR kit or something. And there's some of that stuff out there. Um, but in terms of dealerships and higher volume dealerships, it's hard to um, make that practical for every Honda Civic on your lot, right? Oh, like yeah. new cars, sure, but every used car, do I want to invest the time in that? I'm just trying to move that thing off my lot, right? Mm -hmm. So I think as the technology gets better, we may be in a place like that, but I think we're still three, five years from doing that. Yeah, no, no question. So then here's my other, okay. So so um, here's my other question for you, because this one is one that drives me absolutely insane. Mm. Um, images, photos on a website are the biggest clog or bottleneck or whatever to optimal performance. Yeah. Why? Because the majority, if not all websites that I've ever worked, and I don't care if you're the tippy top recommended by shift digital or whatever, or you're the worst, none of the websites that I've ever encountered, maybe I think only one, and I can't even remember the name, all their images are JPEG. And yeah. you're loading up thousands of images, JPEG, and they should be WebP. Why don't we have the technology to make images WebP because they're optimally better for the site? It doesn't impact the performance of the website. Why haven't we, why don't we have that technology available? So I got to unpack something else first. And this is, this, so you've been on a website or a VDP where a dealer looks like shot in the studio, photos could be pretty decent, but everything looks just a little pixelated or broken apart, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this phenomenon that happens in the auto industry with all of them, and I won't name names, but inventory management systems, let's call them. Then you have a vendor for your website, and let me leave those. I'm not going to call anyone out because it's industry-wide. I've talked to sure. many executives. No one's going to fix it. But so we are giving a JPEG at a size that's something like, I don't know, it's perfect resolution, it's this big, and everything sharp as a tack, and it's a 212 kilobytes, which is nothing, right? 150 kilobytes, small, yeah. very small, but clear, nice picture. Then we're sending that batch of pictures to whatever inventory management system they have, and they typically will downsize them so that they can move them around because they're the ones syndicating everything. Right. So when they get over to the website, now those, the, the larger, small JPEG that is loadable fast that I gave them is now half the size. Then they move it over to the website and they break it apart a little bit because they put like, say, a screen, smaller screen, let's call it, in a mm -hmm. bigger window and stretch the squares. That's the best way I could use to describe the pixels. And so your photos look fuzzy. 
So the way we combat that is we have what's called an image viewer, which is essentially the window that displays pictures, video 360 and interacts with the customer in a VDP. We have a script that we put there and we host it so that now we send the photos off to go to wherever you need them to go to for syndication. But then we also are hosting just that window on your VDP for crisp quality photos. So to answer your question, now that you know we have this small education, is I doubt that any inventory management system is going to take a W, whatever you just said, from me. Like a web page, yeah. It's going to be JPEG or nothing. Now it's something we can work towards, and I'm actually interested that you said that because that's a pretty neat um, thing. But why aren't you, why don't you become the first one to export, dude? Because think about it: you put JPEG on a website, and then you run your Lighthouse scan, and its performance is 25, no matter what, because all these images are the wrong format for a website. So according you're to Google's best practices. What was the file name? Did you just say a W? WebP. WebP. I I have heard about this because I think, if I'm not mistaken, our new website with the developers that did it. They did it that way, so everything loads very fast. Um, so it'd be it'd be worth exploring. But realistically, even if I made the format, I'm almost sure that and I could be wrong. But as soon, yeah, as soon as you send it to like HomeNet or something, they're gonna come. They're like, it. what is this? And then freak yeah. out, and then I get in trouble because the dealer would be mad and the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I it's just you know I figured I talk talked since we're talking images that, would, that I've always wanted to ask that question. I know I yeah, I know. I mean, I'm just going to say it, right? And I, HomeNet, if, if I'm wrong, you know, let's come on the show and, and tell everybody that I don't know what, the, what I'm talking about. But I think that it's technology legacy, dude. The answer they, that I got when I, the scenario I told you where we're, you know, sending photo feeds and things are being downsized. The answer that I got from everyone is basically that if we took all your photos, you're one company. If we took everyone's photos, we're talking about literally doubling the size because they have the size of our images. Mm -hmm. they, they, you're doubling the size of the amount of bandwidth that is going to go out. You basically break the internet for them. You know what I mean? Because they're not right. used to that kind of bandwidth. So if you did that overnight, even though they could code it or develop it, it would just, the system doesn't have the, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and the, and the code stack that they're using too, because I have... I don't want to. I don't want to name this company because I know this is this words out of everywhere. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I, know. I don't even know these. Words. I'm I like, this sounds I, fun. There, there's, <laughs> there's this company out there that I don't. I don't want to. I'm not going to say who they are, but I know they're working on a technology. Their code stack isn't. You know, let me just say this: they're not using WordPress, and they're using things like React. And, um, build you know, websites or for this, photo yeah, for websites, but okay. their, their, their website from the, the examples that I saw takes the JPEG image and their system automatically converts it into a WebP. Cool. So okay. when you run your scans on this website, on the mockups that I've seen, the performance is you get fireworks on Google because okay. every time you get a hundred on everything, they put fireworks, fireworks in the. No, that it's makes pretty sense. insane. It makes sense. You know, it's it may insane. be, um, I'll tell you some of the great, so Dealer Inspire um, has been really great. Um, I think their websites are pretty fluid and nice. And yeah, stuff. but they're WordPress. I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Google owns WordPress. So until. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, still, dude. Like, 
I think I think the, that, and we've had this conversation like three times in the season already. But don't you think that these websites should have more than just okay, they're pretty on the front of it, you know, and and that's great. But shouldn't they sure. be doing some other shit on the back end? Like I don't know. I think, and I and I don't know, but it might be that Roadster uh, would have something like that. And Roadster, of course, was just bought by CDK, and I don't care about saying this out loud. That's the best thing that ever happened to CDK. I CDK is debated, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like. Uh, but Roadster has been a pretty big player um, mm -hmm. in all that, and um, they may be doing that already, um, but who knows? And then Techion yeah. is obviously at the forefront of great things with their CRM, so um, I imagine they will branch out into other products as they get bigger too, so you might be yeah, for they're going to charge you for every absolutely thing that they yeah, charge you your dealership. Techion to say that it's just a shell. You know how Techion kind of got started, right? It was like Elon, the, like the Elon Musk dude, right? The, his finance C, or his, his C, CFO or something like that. Yeah, C, that's true. CIO C or his technology, his, his chief technology yeah, officer, or something like that. One of them, but it happened because uh, so earlier on, we're talking 2017-ish or so, we got connected with Tesla in some way. And they started putting photo assistant at their distribution centers for consistency. This was like Elon's number one request was like, hey, we want our customers to have the same experience. Because right now they just have a configuration of basically stock pictures for their pre-owned cars on Tesla. right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and the number one request is where the photos basically so we started with them. It fizzled out because they just did not engage like they just didn't use it. Um, and so during that period of time, I think they saw the auto as this inventory management system for themselves, and it didn't make sense to people that were making electric cars and their own software. So I think that's why he split off and made Techion, um, because it was just like he fill, filling a need, right? So mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how that happened. Yeah, I mean, time will tell. I, 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 don't, I don't have anything my 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 it's not qualms or anything like that i just um you know i think what the last time i checked they only have like 100 dealers and they're they just have these really big claims i hope it comes to fruition because i think it'd be great for the automotive industry but with a 400 million dollar first round i mean they're gonna have to make that money back somehow and that means every single thing that they touch you're gonna have to ask money for right it's just the only it's, it's just man, yeah and that's not how the auto dealer world works right everybody right. wants a discount and everybody wants a deal because it's a deal. right so, so so i don't know we'll see but anyway so Im images let's 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 keep talking about that because i i um so i always like to have a takeaway for the for the for the listeners yeah so what would you say are the three three tips that you can leave for somebody that's maybe struggling with their photos. Let's say it's a, it's a small mom and pop dealership, not a group or anything that has all these resources, or maybe a, 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 a independent, a high, you know, kind of almost franchise independent dealer. What would you say are the are three things? Like if you do nothing else, do these three things for to have better photos, which in turn is going to help you turn your cars and, or get more interest on in your cars. So whether it helps you get more interest. Uh, in cars or whatever, it's really about the impression. I mean, obviously you want to sell more cars and I'm a big proponent of like better photos, make a better experience, sell more cars. But if you had to do one thing, it's take it seriously. 
because it is the one thing that people see that represents your dealership right away, right? So take it seriously. That's number one. So if you don't, if you have bad photos right now and you know it, like tomorrow, just fix that shit. Like it's not that hard, right? So secondly <laughs> is um, backgrounds. So a, 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 a distracting background does not allow the reader psychologically to see something and really digest the product that they're seeing. So if you go on Amazon, you see the product, right? You see the tool that you are buying against a white background. So it doesn't have to be a white background, but stop using a picture of your dealership because I'm already on your website. You don't need to tell me again, but make it so that it's a clean background. And that can be a neutral colored wall on the property. It can be a green belt, which is less cool, but at least it works and there's nothing in the background, but eliminate trees, car, other cars, poles, every, all that stuff. Just do that immediately. And if you did that, just think about it for a second. If you're photographing cars all over your lot, crazy. And then one month you turn 60 cars and all 60 cars you have pictures of now have it green behind them or a wall behind them. Your website's going to clean up like really well. Even if the picture itself is bad composition, you're going to have clean. So clean backgrounds is number one. Um, number two, photograph the car or the vehicle in the same way every time. So whether it's a truck, car, SUV, whatever it is, do the same thing for everything um, across the board. And then normal stuff that really doesn't need a suggestion, but dude, paper floor mats and, you know, water bottles or the car should be photographed in the same condition. You have it in the delivery area of your dealership, right? So don't show me a dirty car because, I just want to see the clean one I want to buy, right? So right. those 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 couple things. And, and if you did that with or without Dealer Image Pro, with or without anyone for that matter, um, it immediate it makes an immediate difference. So yeah. I like yep. the I like to comment about the background, and I am seeing more is CGI the right word? Like more background more, uh, more fake really. background. Yeah, it's just a it's basically a, a cutout green screen or something underneath or something. Um, but there's plenty of companies that do that, you know, with AI nowadays, mm -hmm. um, included. Um, but yeah, you can, you can really, there's a, there's a ton of backgrounds. Go on iStockphoto.com and put on backgrounds, uh, studio backgrounds, and there'll be hundreds of them. Pick one and use that from this point forward if you're going to do that. But if you don't want to go through that expense or the time or the whatever, well, hire someone like us, or you would... Uh, just find a clean background on your property. Like yeah. every, there is a place for everyone and keep the sun sure. at your back for crying out loud. If you're shooting into the sun, you don't yeah, shoot you see the, you see the sun at Disney, you turn around and you run them at your back. Like that's how it works, right? You see the shadows in some of the pictures over the car. It's like, dude, or the come sun on, man. Even in the, in the lens of the camera. You're like, I always love the reflection of the photographer. Yeah. Well, that one's a little harder. That's a little harder. It but, is, you're right. But, it's but hard the, to, we yeah. did, we saw one just the other day and it it was on the one of the cars on at work and the angle that the guy was holding the camera it was like of the tire and he was well, we we spent 10 minutes trying to figure out why the hell he'd taken a photo the direction he had taken the photo <laughs> like, there's but, very but, little there's very little things objects that you can photograph straight on where mm -hmm. you're not going to get a reflection in a reflective object, right? Like even in the 
screen of the navigation, we see that shot on straight on all the time and then you can see the person. But if you just move a little to the left and shoot at an angle, which mm -hmm. is a more flattering angle anyway, mm -hmm. um, usually you're not there. So pretty, but that's a great. Well, I think there's a couple of things that happen with that. First of all, I mean, dude, if your shadow is in the image and you uploaded that, you, you're, you should be fired. Like, dude, <laughs> come on. Like, you're I don't not know seeing about that. It's pretty hot in Vegas, dude. I don't think I'd fire anyone over it. That's hard. Right. I'm, it, at Herb's Toyota, you better believe that if your shadow is on that car, yes. you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because... It's not that you're like, oh, I made a mistake. You you obviously made a mistake, and then you replicated that mistake by uploading it online like that. Like, come it on. It happens. So that's number one. Number two, the biggest thing that I see is that the dealerships that don't that want to do things internally, they hire people, and they don't they don't hire the right people. Number one, mm -hmm. they hire just kids or whatever college students or, that don't have any photographic experience and then you know they try to do it on the cheap i guess is my point so and that's they not saying, hey do you want to take some two, pictures there's two things i'm going to push back on there and, and one i think you're going to agree with me on number one our system is that like i can get you if you had no photographic experience or charity within two days i can have you shooting a perfect set of photos no doubt about it no questions i've done it in my sleep it's fine that's actually not even what we focus on because we know we can do it. It's more now operational efficiency and that kind of thing, right? So that right. you do not need to have a talented nor well thought out photographer to do what we are teaching the dealership now to do. However, yeah, however, you do need someone who gives a shit, right? Because like if you just have a kid in there, you, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get what you get and you're going to just basically turn him over. So let's go into the other thing that you just mentioned. And this is the, the I don't want to say farce because that's too harsh of a word, but we can't find any help. Like we just can't hire people. Like why do you think that is? Because you're you paying them $10 an hour? I do. You need that's to why. pay people what they're worth. If at the end of the week the guy is getting his gas you're money right. and his paycheck and that's all he's got, you need to pay people what they're worth, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, uh, this I, is not a minimal minimum wage job. If you can't pay people washing your dealership after you go to bed at night, minimum wage, which you can't, because you can't get, you couldn't get me to empty all your garbage and wash your floor for minimum wage. So why would you pay someone minimum wage to shoot your cars, which is arguably the most important thing that markets your cars. Like you need to give them, you know, I'm not saying they're, you know, salesman salaries here, but give them something that makes them excited to come to work. Right. right. Well, and then yeah, yeah. to follow up with that, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. my experience with social media is that people think that you just post a couple of things and you're like, Oh, that, how much time does that actually take? So yeah, I can imagine that photography, it's like, well, all you're doing is taking a couple pictures. How much time mm -hmm. can that actually take? It takes a lot of time. Bottom <laughs> yeah. line is you got to pay people what they're worth. And if you're doing something as important as your dealership is taking it, your photos in-house, start mm -hmm. with not super high, but, you know, 18 bucks an hour is actually pretty reasonable in terms of. Right where you, know, you should be at. Yeah, no, I totally agree. We were paying totally people 18 agree. bucks an hour three years ago. So like it's now, three years now and we've had all the inflation. So what does that add up to? Let, let me ask you this. If somebody uses you guys, is there a reduction in that or you still need that element 
um, on the on the photography side? Um, I mean, like I said, I think what you're paying for is not the skill set of a photographer, which would cost a lot more. Because honestly, if you got a good photographer to use our system, they're going to leave you in six months anyway, because we suck the creativity right out of that shit. Like, it's just like pretty straightforward. Do this, do this, do this. It's a recipe. And if you do it every time, you get the chocolate cake, right? But any baker is going to be like, well, I want to put cherries. You're like, nope, don't do that. We're just trying to do this. And so they'll leave you. Don't get fancy with it. Don't get fancy with it. It's it's much better to have a coachable individual that likes or cares about what they're doing. And I can pretty much make anyone get a perfect set of photos at that point. Right on. Very cool. So we're we're definitely going to put all all of uh, Peter's information in the show notes. So if you're wherever you're getting your podcast fix, go to the show notes, connect with Peter. If you want to do you do demos? Can we do a dealer talk promotion or something for the for the folks that hear you here? The best way to go, we have a really informative website and actually our demo is to go into depth with that. So the best way to do it is dealerimagepro.com. If anyone wants any kind of free consultation or something, they can email me, Peter, at dealerimagepro.com or I'll look at a satellite map and say, hey, you should probably be photographing your cars here because the sun rises here, sets in the west, whatever. So I can put out some pointers for them, look at their website, tell them what they need. And that's completely free. I don't mind doing that. Um, yeah, anything like that's good, but I do want to add this. This has been one of the funnest dealer podcasts I've ever been on because dude, they are so stale. They, it's like, they suck the life out of me. Right. So this perfect Friday, awesome dealer podcast. So stale. awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There, there's a couple questions I have though. Let's, you know, because I want to get your take on this, on this one. So um, I've been hearing and seeing a lot of people rotating the car the other way, where the, the first image goes to the, yeah. pr- is that, is that, rec- do you recommend that? Or do you think that, that the traditional way Let away from the price, depend. does it matter? So we literally I- had this conversation just the other day. We were in a, yeah. a website building image. I'm curious, way. Charity, what did they tell you in that website building? Did they say point the car to the left or the right? Toward the price of the vehicle. Towards the price. I think, dude, you read from left to right. So when I get to a website and all the cars are pointed left, I'm like, whoa, what what, 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 what are we doing? You know what I mean? So it's better, I think, to point all the cars to the right. But here's what happened. Damn it. No, I know. You had dealer. I mean, that's just intuition for me. I was pushing everybody and they were like, dude, you want me to move every single car the other way? I can't do that. You know why it happened. So. Land Rover Jaguar, if you had, let's go to bigger now, Herbs Auto Group, right? Oh, there you, you got go. Toyota, you got Land Rover, now you got a Porsche store, you got them all. And then you share all this inventory on one, say, omni-channel site, which we specialize in, shameless plug there. But so you have all your inventory <laughs> in one place. Now Land Rover Jaguar Compliance says you have to point your cars to the left, but you like them to the right. Now you have an omni-channel site where everything is all off. Mm-hmm. So what happened is most people just conceded and then just pointed everything to the left. And it, and I think it was Land Rover Jaguar, but I think Porsche kind of did it, and it was just off to the races. So I mean, it is what it is. We just that's one of our questions when any new dealer comes on board. Do you want them left or right? And we don't. We try not to meddle. All right, I was wrong. Okay. No, I'm not wrong. I just like it is what it is. Wait, no, I need. This is recording, right?
Yes. I think so. I'm saying I was wrong. You know, from time to time. Hey, you know what? It wasn't me that called you wrong, dude. It's whatever class you took. That's pretty clever. It's all right because we went from Herb's Toyota to Herb's BMW to Herb's Auto Group. So, you know, we're manifesting that. That's it. All right. The last one, the last one here before I ask you the question that we ask everybody that comes on the show is let's talk a little bit about video. Um, What is your take on video? How is that something that we can leverage? Do you obviously in the scheme of photos and videos, what, what has the most priority? Do you think, do you think that photos are still more important than videos? Uh, Why? And what, what do you see the evolution of that being? Um, I'll lean back to what I said before, where photos take a car to market. And until that changes, Photos are the most important thing you can do. Um, video uh, is, like I said before, like, I mean, YouTube's fun. I like going on YouTube University and learning things and stuff. So video is always going to be great. What you do or how you do the video, I think, is the most important. So whether you choose to have it or not, personal preference at this point, um, it shouldn't be any longer than a minute, minute 15 per car. Mm -hmm. Um, it shouldn't be shaky and you know, whatever. Um, it should not be moving pictures at this point because that's just like you are trying to make a video to get video SEOs, which is just boring and just silly. So like actually make it a video. So it should be full motion video. There should be voiceover that's been specific because there's plenty Mm -hmm. of services, not only ours, but that do that nowadays. And that those videos should automatically go to your YouTube page to drive up those SEOs. So video is important. You know, Um, we live in a video world. Like, no question. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I I know I said last question, but here's another one that came to mind when you were speaking is so on websites, you on the mobile version and on the desktop too, but it's not as prevalent. But when you search for your photos, right, you go and there's arrows and you go or you can swipe like this. Yeah. But I'm seeing now some websites where it opens up a carousel and you can actually scroll, which I, I personally really like that. What's your take on that? Um, I actually haven't seen one yet, but seems like seems like you should be able to swipe left to right. Um, so it's like a pop up. And then yeah, so you hit that you hit the car and it opens the main image, but then you can scroll through the images with your thumb versus having to like click or swipe like this. But do I, I have know, to I... click one time on the image that I landed on and then it makes a little pop-up and then I can scroll through and then X to yeah. yeah, that seems mm-hmm. on a on a phone, that seems pretty pretty great. Uh yeah, I, that's a great feature. I'm learning all kinds of things from you today, buddy. So the cool. size of the have I seen this before? I don't know. I've noticed it. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. No. So. Like I said. Anyway, dude. Not kidding. It, not only has this been fun and educational for me, but like it's just this is really you, you have something special here. I've been on enough of these to know. And like, thanks, thank man. You. It's thank not you. this. Fun, you know what I mean? Your, your check is in the mail, sir. <laughs> don't move it around we'll make sure we right on hey peter thanks so much for doing this dude we really appreciate it. it's been a lot of fun there is one question that we ask everybody that comes to the show and that question sure. is where do you see the automotive industry headed in the next five years and why Oof, i don't know if you're gonna like my answer very well <laughs> I, I think uh 
I love franchise auto dealerships. I think they're like, like Disneyland for adults, just shiny cars, cool logos, big things, all that stuff. But I think Tesla may have put the nail in the coffin for new cars when it comes to how they get them from manufacturers. And then of course you got Jim Farley or whatever saying that he's branching off Ford Blue and Ford EVs. So I think that eventually as the industry moves towards EVs, I think you're going to see the less and less of the older dealership model. And I, I mean, I'm, probably shoot myself. I'm going to have a job that will always be used cars. Um, but at least I think so. But I think that you're going to see more and more of that. I think the the dealership model, I hate to say it might be on its way out, but it might be on its way out. Right it's on. It's hard. Well, there you have you it. Don't, <laughs> he doesn't even say anything. He's like, okay. In all fairness, that's how I always end them because that's your that's your perspective, right? So yeah, you know. I mean, like I said though, I really love uh, I, I I just love cars, and then I love photography. And when those two things came together for me, it was like I found my my purpose in life for this in terms of work, you know. So right pretty on. cool. There you yeah. go. All right, there it is, everybody. Peter Duffy, thank you so much, Peter, for doing this. Been a lot of fun. Thank you. Appreciate yep. you coming on. Um, that's all the time that we have for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. And as usual, we'll talk later. We only host the well-respected. The vendor Lexus Nexus. We don't sell digital marketing. What you do? We inspected what our DT vendor management. Now more than ever, businesses need more efficient sales. That's why thousands of dealerships trust Forize to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the CRM. To try Forize for free, visit foreyes.io/dealertalk. That's foreyes.io/dealertalk.